yeah, time to play. And it's like downloading all the yeah, six updates. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I can't wait to play this brand new game. Oh, I need to I need to download a, a 60 gigabyte patch first. Oh, I guess um I guess I'll play it next Thursday. Yeah, I guess I'll play it the next time I actually have time, which I don't know when that will be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, should we just get going then? Might as well, yeah. I apologize about taking an extra 30 minutes, you know, thinking my technology would actually work for once. <laughs> That's 30 minutes of our bullshit that people could have sat through, but you're depriving them of that, Ted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to the listeners for uh, uh, 30 less <laughs> minutes of bullshit today. Uh, honestly, we'll probably still go as long as we normally do with... As much bullshit, and I'll still cut as much out. It'll just be mixed in bullshit. <laughs> Although last week, whenever we thought like we went so long, the raw audio file was like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I got that down to like an hour and 15 minutes. It wasn't long at all. It was actually kind of a short episode yeah, by, it, it was by a normal standards. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what we talked about, but I was like, oh, that front part got chopped up a bunch. But I was like, I don't remember what it was. But I remember us having uh, a good time, but it's probably for the best. I, most of it was like silences oh, or yeah. like we we were talking about like just like uh, actually recording. Like no, nothing like interesting enough to keep in the <laughs> yeah. episode. But it, we, we were having a good time and like setting ourselves up, I guess. I see. Um, okay, well, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. <laughs> it's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 8, The Chicken Roaster. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Checks? Uh, there are a couple songs mentioned in the episode that we wanted to do a shallow dive on, and one of them that we didn't write down for homework, but I did a little dive on anyway, was when Jerry, uh, when Kramer walks in in his 1980s drug dealer three-button suit, shiny silver three-button suit, um, <laughs> Jerry says, Mackie's back in town, look at old Mackie's back, or Mackie's back in town, or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a reference to Mac the Knife, as I knew, but I did a little bit more. Uh, homework on it. Um, also called The Ballad of Mac the Knife, a song composed by Kurt Weil with lyrics by Bertolt Brecht for their 1928 music drama, The Three Penny Opera. And in the beginning of that movie, um, not movie, uh, 1928, it, um, <laughs> it was a, a, a play first, obviously a musical. Um, it might have been a, I don't know, I don't know, I forget when movies started coming around, but the singer with his street organ introduces and closes the drama with the tale of the deadly Mackie Messer or Mac the Knife a character based on the dashing highwayman Mac Keith in John Gray, uh, John Gay's The Beggar's Opera, who was in turn based on historic, historical thief Jack Shepard. And the song has become a popular standard recorded by many artists, including, as I mentioned, Bobby Darin, which was a number one hit in the U.S. and the U.K. in 1959. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question about Mac the Knife. Is yeah. that the inspiration for the McDonald's ad campaign Mac at Night? M Mac Tonight, you mean? Mac tonight. Yeah. yeah, Mac. We're having Mac tonight. Oh, it definitely is. I can't believe you remember that. I thought that I I was gonna write that down. That that's kind of my touchstone for Mac the Knife. Even though like my, my dad was a big oldies fan, and so I knew the Bobby Darren version. But when that uh yeah the 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 moon and the Happy Meal toys and the whole <laughs> ad campaign were having Mac tonight was totally based on that. Yeah. How did I didn't know? We're, yeah. <laughs> it's not that I I don't. I wasn't alive whenever this was around, or I I just know it from like 
uh, probably like watch mojo YouTube videos of like the like uh, here's a list of like worst advertising campaigns or something. Oh no, you know what it is? It was like memes or ad campaigns that have been co-opted by the alt-right. I was no. watching a video on that one time. <laughs> and uh, yes, and Mac Tonight is like, Mac Tonight and Pepe the Frog are what? now like co-opted right, by well, the alt-right, I'm pretty sure. I gotta dive into that and find out what they... Maybe it's because he's just so super stark white. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, it can't get whiter than the moon. <laughs> oh, I... Th- I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't think we need to dive much more into it than that. And they ha- and I'm guessing they've changed it to MAGA tonight. Oh, God. Well, they're not that smart. I don't think they did. I know, I know. That is a missed opportunity. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. anyway. They're, they're not a part of that movement because they have brains, I guess. Um, but it's just so weird that because when I was looking at the Wikipedia article, I had a, a, a couple Happy Meal toys that, you know, that have this giant crescent moon with a face and he would be like sitting in an airplane or a car or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and and I think his name was Mac tonight. And also he would sing, "We're having Mac tonight." In other words, we're having McDonald's tonight. Yeah. And it was to the tune of that song. So uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy pull, uh, unexpected pull. Also, uh, there was a song "Desperado," which is a song by the American rock band Eagles, written by Glenn Frey and Don Henley, and appeared on their 1973 album "Desperado," as well as numerous compilation albums. It ranked number 494 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Whoa. Yeah. And Witchy Woman, which uh, Elaine tries to get Brett to make their song for some reason, is also an Eagles song, as expected. Uh, I kind of thought that, but I wanted to make sure. And that was written by Don Henley and Bernie Leadon. And uh, it was released as the second single from their debut album and reached number nine on the Billboard Pop Singles chart. Uh, let me see what else nice. we got. Oh, Tropical Storm Renee. So Jerry says to Teddy Padillac, uh, we had some good times. Remember Tropical Storm Renee? And Tropical Storm Renee was not real. It's a fictional <laughs> tropical storm that uh, obviously what? happened sometime in this Seinfeld universe in the, the 80s. What is the point of having a fictional tropical storm? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I, I, actually, I, 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 maybe I should have looked up, but tropical storms probably don't hit Manhattan very often. So maybe they just wanted to mention, like, oh, remember? I mean, prob- probably not. I, I would. <laughs> I- I'm sure there was one in the last 15 years at the time of this airing. Possibly. I don't know though. I, I didn't. I didn't delve that far into it. I was just like, I guess they wanted to make up, wanted a, a touchstone. Like, oh, come on, we had some good times. Because I also don't think there was a poncho craze of 1984 or whatever it was. <laughs> I didn't look that up. I was like, how would I look up? I guess I could go to the wiki page for ponchos, and then I was like, forget it. I'm not going to look up the poncho craze of 1984. No way. Do a, do a, um, a Google search uh, popularity chart. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the Google and, Trends. And, and just see, yeah, the Google Trends chart, and just see like how many people were searching for ponchos in what year. Yeah, but we didn't have them in 84. We didn't have Google in 84, so... They would oh, have to, shit. I don't know, I'm sure I'm sure Google Analytics have d- has done like, you know, I, I'd have to go to a website that looks at newspaper clippings and like has has cataloged all of those and then see where ponchos were mentioned and like, oh yeah, ponchos were on the cover of Time Magazine in 1984, in, in, in June of 1984. The poncho <laughs> was back. Now, Tropical Storm Renee became a real, real tropical storm in 2020. It formed east of Cape Verde and then moved out to sea and that was it. So it was pretty weak. Weak sauce from Tropical Storm Renee. 
and it was the earliest 17th named storm in the Atlantic Basin, um, I guess. I don't know what that means. The earliest 17th storm named stormed ever? I don't know. What? It's like the quickest we've gotten to 17. Okay. I'm not- 17 named storms, I guess. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Because like every... I think like every year they have a list, like yes, a set yeah, list yeah. of names. So I, I guess that just means uh, last year there were the most storms worthy of having a name, which is very fitting for 2020. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I read that it was like also the most active hurricane season on record. And so this is the the earliest that we've gotten to number 17. Great. Out of all the years, I think is what that sentence means. <laughs> like we moved to number 17 quickly. I mean, get ready for that record to be shattered each and every <laughs> year coming up because I'm sure, uh, you know, the climate is not improving. What could possibly be the reason for this? What could possibly change this? Doing nothing is doing nothing. I believe uh, it's just the mainstream media is reporting on more storms. That's all it is. (laughs) They're not happening more frequently. It's just a 24-hour news cycle. You know, Tim, it's not all storms that are bad. It's just a few bad apples on the tree. Exactly. Uh, so this episode, was, here's some trivia and tidbits. That's all we had for homework. Here's some trivia and tidbits from the episode. Uh, it was written by veteran Seinfeld writing partnership of Tom Gamble and Max Prost from a rough outline by Steve O'Donnell, which included several key ideas used in the completed episode, such as Kramer having Japanese tourists sleep in his chest of drawers. Now, Gamble and Prost had already left the Seinfeld writing staff after season seven, but their new contract allowed them to consult on Seinfeld, which gave them the opportunity to script the episode, The Checks. And then for some reason after this, their their contract was closed. Uh, I mean, their contract was revised to close this unintended loophole, preventing them from writing any further Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that they didn't notice they were able to do this and then, and then didn't want them to. Like, why not just have these two guys who wrote a bunch of great episodes still be able to write episodes yeah. for your show? I, I don't know why they... <laughs> it, it seems weird. Maybe it was a bad breakup or something. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Jerry Seinfeld himself, the man, IRL, worked as an umbrella salesman during the 1980s and has claimed to have invented the umbrella twirl just as his character does during this episode. (laughs) That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's apparently apparently the writer said that in the DVD commentary. I don't know whether he's joking or whether he thinks that he invented twirling an umbrella to sell it. I, I don't know. With Jerry, it could go either way because, you know, his ego is so big. He thinks he invented comedy. Oh, yeah. He may think he's invented, you know, uh, uh, twirling an umbrella. Too. He may have, uh, like, regionally invented it because obviously you're, like, you're not going to invent something <laughs> yeah. as common as twirling an umbrella. But he may have been, yeah. like... The first person (laughs) in his five block radius to do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Brett story was based on a man Gamble met on a ski trip who would similarly zone out whenever the song Desperado played. So that was pretty, uh, that was based on real life. Uh, The last line before the credits had two versions made. One for if the New York Yankees won the World Series, uh, I guess, earlier in the year. And one for if they had lost the World Series. I guess it would have been like, with these two idiots, it's no wonder the Yankees lost the World Series. But instead, the one they used was, with these two idiots, it's amazing the Yankees won the World Series. Oh, they did win that year? Um, I'm ge- I'm yeah, yeah, so. they had won the World okay. Series. So that's the line. I guess, and I guess they filmed it before. Yeah, and I guess they filmed it before <laughs> uh, it had happened. I forget when these episodes are airing. So, Mr. I, I wanted to do a... Oh, you, you have the I, I, I was just saying, last week's episode was uh, November 7th, 96. So it would be probably... Like two weeks after, oh yeah, uh, after the World Series would wrap up. Yeah, so I guess they had, uh, had filmed it before or while the World Series was going on, and then they were like, "All right, we'll just do the two lines and then send it across with the right one." Uh, I, I did a little dive on one of the Japanese tourists that I definitely recognized. Mister O was played by Getty Watanabe, who has been in 
a million things. <laughs> He's the voice of Ling in Mulan. He was on two Simpsons episodes. He was in an episode of Duckman with Jason Alexander. <laughs> and he starred as Cooney, the host of Wheel of Fish in Weird Al's movie UHF with Michael Richards. Wow. And also, uh, let me see. Oh, he played the Playtone photographer in That Thing You Do, who ta- who's taking pictures of the head of Playtone Records. And he's like, hey, I heard you were, I saw you out to lunch with Marlene Dietrich or whatever he says. And the guy's like, come on, my wife's upstairs. Uh, people remember that movie. It's from the end when they go to LA. Uh, so he plays that guy. And he's most known for playing the did not have the aged like milk long duck dong in 16 candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not touching that one. Ted, I'm just going to recommend you never see that movie. 16 candles. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to recommend you never. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's one of those early, it's, it's one of those brat pack movies. So it's got, um, uh, Molly Ringwald and she's really the only true brat packer in it, but it's also got John Cryer and who's the other guy? I always get it mixed up with the other one. James Spader might be in it, but anyway, yeah, she turns 16 and, and, uh, anyway, it, he plays a, uh, an exchange student that's staying with them. And yeah, they gave him the hilarious two people in the eighties name, <laughs> long duck dong. There we go. The less said, the better. Uh, most recently he played Henry in an episode of call me cat, which is, Awful for completely different reasons. Uh, wait, oh, the have you heard about that? No, I haven't. The Maya Bialik show. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard about this at it's, all. It's what Maya Maya Bialik show. She runs like a cat cafe or something. It comes on <sighs> after uh, Hell's Kitchen, which Sarah and I watch. CBS and show. So we get to see the first two or three minutes. Oh my! No, God. it's Fox, but it, it should be. It, it seems like it tastes <laughs> like CBS. You know? I feel like you may have told me about this, and I just locked it out of my mind. <laughs> Yeah, it um it, it we catch the first minute because it's on after Hell's Kitchen and so it just kind of starts up and and first of all it's a show where the main character addresses the camera. I don't know whether through the whole thing but it always starts where they're going, "Oh, oh hey, I didn't see you there." I'm like, God. "What? What? Don't you talk to me like that? Get don't talk out to me. Of here. Do your show." <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Here's what's going on this week. I'm like, the, "No. That's got to be the most like tired like sitcom trope yeah, thing. I, that that and fake documentary. Like yeah. I like the mockumentary trope was like big for a year and then everyone was doing it. I know. It. Yeah, yeah. I was like that's you got to that's got to be your show and and I love, you know, The Office and Parks and Rec, but I don't know if I needed every show to be like that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just can't believe someone's still doing that in 2021 like, "Oh, hey, I didn't see you there." Well, this week you'll never believe what happened. Like, oh, I I don't care. I want to know talking to me. I want to know the you person Deadpool? who wrote that script. <laughs> And I want to, like, follow their career <laughs> and to see if it gets any better. Because I don't think it's going to. If in 2021, there, or 2020 probably, they're writing a script that begins, Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Let me see. Um, I want to see if it is a uh, who, who created this monstrosity. Oh, it was based on a British sitcom called Miranda by Miranda Hart. So it's not a Chuck Lorre show, surprisingly. I really thought I was really expecting it to. It really sounds like it should be. <laughs> okay, what uh, would you rather watch a six-hour marathon of? Oh, Call geez. Me Cat or Bob Hart's Abishola? I think Bob Hart's Abishola, only because it's the devil I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, it's uh, it can't be worse than Call Me Cat. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's Mike O'Malley doing a. 
uh, like Chicago accent with his, uh, I, I believe she's his nurse after he has a heart attack or something and then he falls in love with her. Wait, no, um, Bob is played by that uh, big guy that's always calling um, the rock station. Isn't it? It's not Mike O'Malley. It's uh, Billy Gardell. Oh, Billy Gardell. Yeah, Billy Gardell. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mike O'Malley yeah. was the other guy in Yes, Dear. <laughs> right, right, right. But Billy Gardell was not in Yes, Dear, was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. You, no, no. You're thinking of that. Other, you're thinking of another show. Hang on. I know what you're thinking of. Hang on. Hang on. He was on Mike and Molly. Yeah, and he was on Yes, Dear as well. He was one of the friends. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> he was for six years. Yeah, he was the friend of Billy. I, uh, yeah, I guess so. He, but I, I was thinking of the main, the main four. Oh yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I was like, wait a second, but but Tim, I knew he, I knew you... Billy Gardell had a much bigger show, and it was and I, but I couldn't remember the name of it. But it was Mike and Molly with Melissa McCarthy. Tim, don't you dare question my knowledge <laughs> of yesteryear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, let me see. There was another actor that I wanted to look up, the carpet crew leader played by Jack Plotnick, who I found out uh, has a Pittsburgh connection, went to Carnegie Mellon. And um, I don't know why I wanted to look him. I guess he looked familiar, but he wasn't really in anything that I knew of. But interestingly enough, he was on The Weird Al Show as Uncle Ralphie with Getty Watanabe, who was reprising the role of Numi that he played in, in UHF with Michael Richards. So there's a whole bunch of actors that have kind of worked or passed uh, each other in their careers <laughs> in this episode, uh, oddly enough. But I did find out the carpet crew leader was in one episode of Wizards of Waverly Place as a pocket elf. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Of course. And he was on an episode of True Jackson VP. Uh, <laughs> but I, that was that's Nickelodeon, yeah, right? That that's Nickelodeon. That's way after my time. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, I always conflate Nickelodeon and uh, Disney comedies. So I mean, back um, yeah, but I figured I'd throw that back in whenever there. you would be like of the age of watching it. Disney was still like premium cable. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we had to pay. We had to pay extra for it. And you know what I found out is oh, like they're adding Adventures in Wonderland. Do you remember that show? No. Oh man, so it was like a live action Alice in Wonderland, and it was so weird. Like so, every like this cool '90s girl would like step through her mirror and go back to Wonderland in every episode and like have an adventure with everybody. Oh, and um, uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum were like dressed as '90s rappers, and they would rap everything, and it was awesome. Yeah, they'd wear like those big like Zubas pants, you know, that like. Like AC Slater sty- style pants, oh, no, uh, and and like backward oh, and like bright no. neon colors, and <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, oh my, <laughs> and that's God. coming to Disney Plus, and I am psyched because <laughs> I'm sure in retrospect it's going to look awful, but definitely I was too old to be watching it. But in sixth grade, I would come home and I'd watch Wishbone on PBS, and then I'd switch <laughs> it over to, to Disney Channel to watch Adventures in Wonderland. <laughs> So awesome. So I forget how I started talking about that. Oh, Disney comedies. That's right. Okay. Uh, George Wallace, who plays the doctor who examines Brett at the end of the episode when he presumably dies because he is crashing as uh, Dr. George Wallace zones out listening to Witchy Woman. Um, as, as we know, he's a stand-up comedian, but he was also the best man at Jerry Seinfeld's wedding. Huh? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know which one. I guess the one to the 17-year-old. I, I don't remember, yeah. actually. I didn't look that up. Wait, no, he didn't get married to her. I... I think they broke yeah, up before that happened, but I think they were engaged they, or something. They broke up when she turned 21. She she was too old for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I guess he's only been married once, uh, and I guess it was that wedding that George Wallace was the, the best man at. Let me just double check. Uh, yep, Jessica Seinfeld, 1999. <laughs> that's when they got married. So he didn't uh, didn't end up with the that other one, I think. Uh, Mr. Wilhelm's alias, Tanya, is the same as that adapted by Patty Hearst after she was allegedly brainwashed by the Symbionese Liberation Army 
um, which is a this is it's a weird like Stockholm syndrome kind of seventies or maybe late sixties just kind of odd um, like Manson cultish kind of <laughs> attention grabbing story that you know she was this uh, what do you call it? like she was a hearst so she was like literally a, you know a billionaire heiress and she was kidnapped by these weird guys and then all of a sudden started believing in what they. We're saying, I don't know the true story, but I do know it's really weird. But furthermore, Mr. Wilhelm holds a carpet cleaner nozzle in a similar manner to an iconic photo of Patty Hearst in which she brandishes a machine gun. So that's a famous photo from the whole ordeal uh, that they released of her. And uh, I, it's a it's a pretty, um, it's a, like a blink and you'll miss it reference. But um, I guess if you were born around the same time that Jerry and George and everybody is supposed to be, it was maybe you caught the reference. I certainly didn't. Um, and that's it. All right. I, I actually do have one other piece of news here. I know oh. we, we mentioned this last week, but are you would you be comfortable in me spoiling a cameo in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier because you probably won't get to the show until like <laughs> six months from now? I'd rather not, but... Um... <clears throat> okay, God. <sighs> Oh, oh, wait, it's Elaine, right? I've already oh, had that. okay, yeah. For me by, yeah. of course, by memes, of <laughs> yeah, course. Julia yeah, Julia. I thought it was going to win. Julia Louis-Dreyfus yeah, okay. is in, like, the last gotcha. five minutes of, uh, at, at the time of this recording, the most uh, recent episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We don't know her character yet, ah. um, but she is, uh, seems a little devious. Oh. And uh, there's, there's memes that Marvel has big plans for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I of course got it ruined for me on the Seinfeld subreddit. But but again, I don't understand. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was going to be like as big as the cameo at the end of The Mandalorian, oh, you know, which I won't spoil oh, for anybody no. who still has not caught up. I th- So I thought it was going to be like Iron Man. And I was like, ooh, no, I don't <laughs> want to know if it's going to be like, you know, something like that. It, it was really weird because like they show, um, I, I won't spoil anything other than her so so that you are not like given any circumstances but there's a mm-hmm. a dejected character yeah and then like si- sitting in a hallway and then a long shot and you see a person walking in wearing heels you can only see like knees down and grace and i are both like oh my god who is this who is this <laughs> and then she comes into frame and we see elaine what <laughs> in the fuck why what is she doing here and actually, I had um, just about wrapped up watching all of BoJack Horseman. Uh, so yeah. I, I think in the moment I quoted <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter, and I was like, Elaine on Falcon and the Winter Soldier? What is this, a crossover episode? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to check that out. And, and I still don't know what that what happens at the end of WandaVision in episode oh, 9. Oh, my God. To watch that half hour of TV. But I do have to say that I love the idea of Catherine Hahn and Julia Louis-Dreyfus working together. I, you know, if uh, if that's possible at all um, in the future or in the past. So, because I think they're, they're two funny actresses and I would love, and, and I think they have, I think they just work well, well together. So, anyway. Okay, well, I will, um, you know, I'll give you my react to that uh, probably sometime in 2022. If we're still doing this show. To that. We'll probably be on to the next one. But, you know, I'll, so, so we'll, we'll be on our so new season. So it'll be extra not timely. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. We like to, to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and then assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on apple podcasts if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts you could do one or the other i mean you could do a rating or you could do a rating and a written review but even if you just give us just a five-star rating we will send you a holographic no hugging no learning sticker free of charge uh we just need your mailing address or you know what you could just email us something nice uh i i could uh i could definitely use some encouraging emails over the next couple of days um th- that would be that would be nice to read well anyway that being said season eight episode eight the chicken roaster original air date november 14th 1996 uh i was three years 10 months and 25 days old and tim if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left we have 37 episodes until we become a Oh, um, I don't know. I, I've I've kind of defaulted to like you answering this now. Oh yeah, but it, it, it's I was zoned. Out. I was like opening, getting ready for my notes. I was like, oh, <laughs> um. it, it's only because like I'm like I have no idea. I, I I think I ran out of things a long time ago. We'll um listen to it because there are. I mean, maybe at least a hundred. We will listen to a version of Mac the Knife and review it. <laughs> Every single we're a, we're a Mac the Knife review. Oh podcast. no! Because <laughs> you should see the list of artists that have covered it. I mean, after you know, Bobby Darren wasn't even the first, and so <laughs> we'll you know we'll run a long time. <laughs> a week, a weekly, knife a review. weekly, ep, uh, a weekly podcast that only covers one song that runs for two years. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that's a winner. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of it though, because like cast the knife that people are going to think that's just like true crime, which may Ugh. benefit us. They'll be like, "Ooh, cast pod, pod, podcast about knife murders," probably, and then they'll you know quickly be charmed by our delivery and and keep listening. Yeah, because uh, true crime is so huge, you know. But I, so I don't know, Mac the knife. I, I don't know. Or don't you know. know, maybe we'll just. Uh just do a fictional true crime series based in the world of Seinfeld. Yeah. 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 And it's called the scoff laws. <laughs> I love that. Actually. Someone's got to do that. I don't want to do that. It's too much work. No, Someone's got to no. do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. If you're looking at TV guy, the night of November 14th, 1996, you are going to see, and uh, we got a little bit of, I explained this last week, a little bit of a Huluism <laughs> on this week's description where the description reads, the chicken roaster, colon, a celebrity opens a chicken restaurant in Jerry's neighborhood. Now, if you're looking in TV Guide that night, I'm almost certain the chicken roaster, colon, is not going to be there. Um, but uh, otherwise, this isn't a bad description. Yeah, we'll see if we can make it better or if we need to by the end. But I, I think that kind of sets everything up pretty well. We'll see, though. We open with a cold open with George and Jerry outside a market and George lamenting because he is super cheap that there's no haggling <laughs> in this country anymore. When did we get rid of haggling? Um, to George, 
everything is negotiable. Uh, and Jerry asks him, even restaurants? And, and he says yes. Um, and he tries to haggle with the shop owner over some cherry tomatoes like that are like a buck twenty nine or a buck eighty nine or something, and George offers him twenty five cents. He says, "I'll give you a quarter." Oh, like, twenty five cents. What are you? Yeah. That's not haggling, George. <laughs> haggling means you have to offer I guess them do. a price that, even like if it is low, has to be at least reasonable value for the reasonable. product. <laughs> you can't walk up to a Tesla dealership and say, "Here, I I have my stimulus check. Will you take that?" <laughs> that is a good point, though. Why can you haggle over? Some things, like especially cars, that doesn't make any sense. Houses, I, I I kind of get because that's something one person is selling to another. But a business, like I go in and I'm going to buy an Accord for more than the other person bought an Accord. Like, yeah. just give me the same, just give everybody the same price. I don't get it. And and car dealerships always try to say, what you see is what you pay and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but there's always, always wiggle room. They still negotiate. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, well, that's just never going to leave. And I don't understand why. And airline tickets, that's another well, thing. You know, I mean, that's another thing where you can pay, you know, one person paid a hundred bucks and the other person paid a thousand bucks for the same seat next yeah, to each other. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you remember like back around like 07, 08, I, I don't know if it was just the Chevy brand or maybe it was all of General Motors. They did a employee price sale, like uh, one of those summers. Yeah. And they did buku sales hmm. because they what they did was they lowered the price to literally the employee price, but in the contract of like you buying the car, they eliminated the ability to haggle. So everybody hmm. got a car for the same price. I knew people who bought like two, three vehicles during that sale. Dang. Yeah. It was crazy. So it must be a good business model, but I'm sure there was still, oh man, I guess there was no haggling if it was in the contract, like that you couldn't, yeah, it's just, it's just such a weird thing that this one thing you can go buy. So maybe I'm on kind of on George's side where I'm like, all right, if, if it's good enough for cars, what's the difference between everything else? What makes Target different from, you know, the Honda dealership or whatever? <laughs> um, I don't know. But I like the guys, you know, the, the guy tells Jerry and George, how about you leave and never come back? And Jerry goes, how about we leave and come back in a week? And the shop owner goes, deal. That was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good. <laughs> and George is like, I think we got something here. I think he got something there. <laughs> so the episode uh, proper starts up with Jerry and Kramer out on the street, and they see a Kenny Rogers Roasters has finally opened up. Let's just stop right here, Ted, and ask, have you ever been to a Kenny Rogers Roasters? No, I had no idea this was a real <laughs> restaurant until I, yeah. I guess I'll, uh, I'll I'll say this at the very end of the episode. I'm watching the credits and it says some additional furnishings provided by Kenny Rogers Roasters. <laughs> I had no idea this place was real. I thought it was made up for the show. I mean, it seems it seemed like a silly prospect at the time. In a, in a time when like Planet Hollywood was opening up with like Sly Stallone and Hard Rock Cafe <laughs> was still out there, you know, and and this the celebrity that chose to open a a nationwide fast food chain was oh I'm sorry, good food. What does he say? Good food quickly later. Whatever. Good food um, quick. Yeah. Yeah. Good, um, a uh, a nationwide fast food chain was Kenny Rogers. You know, it was really weird at the time. Like he could have opened a restaurant and called it. Tennessee chicken or whatever you know but he opened and called no I want my name I want two <laughs> out of the three words to be my name <laughs> I don't want to mention chicken I want people to come in thinking they're eating me Kenny Rogers roasters <laughs> honestly if I if I were to like not know anything about this episode not know anything about this restaurant I would think Kenny Rogers roasters is a brand of coffee 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, with, with chicken, you think like, oh, you want it fried. You want to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or or, or yeah. I don't like want that, roast but... chicken. If I no. want roast chicken, I, I I'll go to a Boston Market or the supermarket or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, get the bags right up front of the supermarket. That bagged full yeah. on chicken. So I, there, a Kenny Rogers Roasters did open. And by the way, my dad, huge Kenny Rogers fan. Like if I got one artist. If I could pick one artist, well, there may be two. Neil Diamond like, is one, uh, fa- and, fan and Kenny of, Rogers is the other. Fan of the music or fan of the chicken? The music, the okay. music first. <laughs> okay. And then I don't know. I don't know how he felt about the chicken. But when a Kenny Rogers Roasters opened up uh, near my hometown in Yorktown, Virginia, uh, I, I remember going, but I don't remember. That's all I remember. I don't remember anything about the inside <laughs> or the chicken or, or whether it was good or bad because I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade and. And it, it, I think it lasted a pretty long time, but then it became a Fuddruckers, uh, which okay. I'm which much it, more which of a is, fan of. Which has fallen on their own hard times. Oh, is that true? I, I can't mm-hmm. even think of the last time I saw one. Well, the, the one up here in Erie uh, went out of the mall uh, and got replaced uh, by a, uh, what's it called? Fresh Healthy Cafe, uh, which is almost the exact opposite of Fuddruckers. Yeah, yeah, I love that Fuddruckers had, you know, like they just gave you the burger and then you they had like that giant toppings bar and I could like put as much melted cheese as I wanted to <laughs> on my burger, which was all of it, all of the melted cheese. Um, yeah, so I, I had been to a, a Kenny Rogers Roasters, but I, I don't remember much of it. But yeah, my, my dad, huge. And I don't think we went there because he was like, oh, my favorite artist opened a fast food <laughs> joint. I think it was just like... You know, the normal <laughs> suburban thing. Hey, there's a new restaurant. We're trying it. Get in the car. Like, oh, yeah, okay, great. absolutely. Yeah. I would great, great, great. love it. I would love it if you guys ended up going because Kenny Rogers is your dad's favorite artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is all this family's eating from now on. My, and my dad's country all of a sudden, too. This is all this family's eating from now on. Dad, why are you talking like that? Because of Kenny. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. I mean, as a kid, you know, as like a seventh or eighth grader, you could do a lot, a lot worse than going to Kenny Rogers Roasters every night for dinner. <laughs> so, and there's a, they notice uh, there's a giant neon chicken on the roof, and Kramer says the restaurant's going to fail because there's chicken places not just in their neighborhood, but all up and down this street. Which I know New York <laughs> City streets can be long, but I, I would love to know what he meant too. <laughs> And Kramer's got to go because he's helping Newman pick out a turtle at the pet store. <laughs> and as he runs off, Jerry runs into Seth, who uh, is an old buddy. He hasn't seen him in like five years. And he talks him into catching up over lunch instead of going back to the office where he was headed for a big meeting. And meanwhile, George and Elaine are at some sort of department store and they just had a business lunch, which Elaine, um, you know, so I guess Elaine was able to use the expense account. And call it a business lunch because she asked George, "What do you think of the mag? What do you think of the catalog?" And he goes, "I think it stinks." She's like, "There we go. We talk business." <laughs> uh, and Elaine is buying a ton of stuff on the Peterman account, the expense account. And George tries on this huge sable hat. The saleswoman says it looks good on him. And George goes, eh, "What do you think, uh, Peterman account?" And Elaine says, "Yeah, that's fine." By the way, I am I am just as susceptible to salespeople telling me something looks good as George is. I got to say. You know, I I just trust them implicitly. Like, I just bought a, uh, I just got a, a pair of shoes that I was like, I don't know, are you, are you sure this fits? Like that, not even the color or anything like that. I was like, and and the the guy like went down with his thumb and he was like, oh yeah, you got plenty of room in that toe. I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> like, hmm, you know, I was unsure, but you person that I've never met before who was working on a commission basis, I yeah. trust your opinion. <laughs> 
Exactly. I trust your opinion on how my foot feels in this shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, he was right because uh, they were New Balances, and I guess they run a little big. You know, looking it up later, you know, people are like, "Oh, they run big. Get a half size down." So that's what I was doing. So uh, he he was right in the end, but you know, I had to be convinced, and he did a good job. You know, made that sale probably the first one in the morning. So in a restaurant, uh, Jerry and Seth are there, and he Seth puzzles Jerry about a plot point from the last episode about how Jerry's English show would have worked in Japan, <laughs> which is, I started thinking about that too. I was like, uh, Seth, it would be overdubbed, you dummy. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why would a Japanese television station produce a show in English only to overdub it? I was yeah. like, yeah, that wouldn't, it, it's not going to be shown in America. Like when they, you know, when they bring Everybody Loves Raymond over to, you know, other countries, like they overdub it, but that's because it's already been made in America. Yeah. I was like, how the, the show how already exists. <laughs> like there's already yeah. probably a hundred episodes of it. Yeah. My, my, the, my guess is that Jerry would still, I guess, maybe no, no one would star in it. Just the concept would be, you know, brought over there and all Japanese um, actors would take over. I guess that's how it would have worked. <laughs> But that still would have been okay for Jerry, you know, still would have made that money. We find out that Seth skipped his first, he works for a giant investment firm now, and they just landed a huge Citibank account, and the first meeting was today, and that's what Seth skipped. And Jerry's like, isn't that important? And Seth goes, yeah. (laughs) Kind of like, also realizes he's made a huge mistake. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Up in Jerry's apartment, uh, Jerry and Elaine are on the phone, and Elaine is talking about all the stuff that she bought on the Peterman account, like a water pick, and she puts Jerry on hold as one of the J. Peterman accountants calls up, Roger Ipswich, uh, Ipswich, he calls, and he reminds her, he's looking at all the expense stuff, and he reminds her that the account is for business only, business expenses only, and he's going to come up and go over these with her tomorrow in her office. And everybody hangs up, except Jerry is left all alone. He was on on call waiting hold. <laughs> Elaine asks uh, Ipswich, well, isn't the president allowed to do whatever they want? <laughs> Why on earth would she think this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'm not suspending my disbelief far enough. But, oh my god, Elaine is not the stupid one of the group, but in this episode, (laughs) she is. Just like, yeah, I mean, she's the president of the company, aren't they allowed to... Yeah, I guess it, uh, it, it, it probably made sense in the moment, but like now thinking like, oh, I guess... I guess the company is not my own personal checking account. <laughs> I guess that's right. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Seth realizing after it's already too late. Like, hey, yeah, I, I skipped a pretty important meeting. It's something yeah. that you know of that you just didn't think of, or that anybody was paying attention to it too. She was probably like, oh, I didn't realize anybody was even looking at these, you know, receipts and stuff. Mm, I thought okay. I could buy whatever, and it would be. That's another thing too that she probably didn't even consider until this very moment. Um, and, and that was probably like her first line of like, well, I thought I could do whatever I wanted to. Is that not, <laughs> is that not, by the way, I, I got to throw in that if you grew up with call waiting, this is not how it worked when, so Elaine is on the phone with Jerry. She, she gets a call and switches over to this other guy, meaning Jerry is waiting, listening to silence on, on his phone. When Elaine hung up her phone from with her, the call from that guy, it would have started ringing again because Jerry was on the other end. That's how call waiting worked. Like when you. When you put the phone down, it would start ringing. It would ring you back because you ha- you still had somebody on the other line. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wouldn't have been left all alone for very long unless Elaine 
maybe like picked up her phone and slammed it back down or something and he didn't notice because he's just sort of sitting there like hello anybody there <laughs> uh, over at monks george walks in in his giant hat and i love jerry's line <laughs> why didn't you get the big one <laughs> that was good that was really good yeah. and george he's not wearing a jacket he was like this hat just holds in the heat uh, i don't even need a jacket and George even has a date with the saleswoman who has a Marissa Tomei thing kind of going on. And another great burn from Jerry. Oh, too bad you have a George Costanza thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Which if it was the real Marissa Tomei would be a plus. But but it's not. It's She only has a Marissa Tomei thing going on. Uh, they're gonna, and they're going to be running errands. And Jerry's like, what kind of date is that? He's like, oh, what, what's the difference? Uh, and this is another way in which I am like George. Like, I, this would totally... This would totally have been me in my single days. Like, oh, we're running errands together? This is a date. Like, very pathetic. <laughs> but George is like, oh, you know how I work. I'm like a commercial jingle. I start out kind of irritating, but by the third date, it's by Menon. What uh, is Menon? <laughs> so I, I had a feeling there's a lot of old references in this. Uh, <laughs> but I don't even know how to spell it. Menon. M-E-N-E-N is what the, what the captions put ah. it as. So that was a company that made like a bunch of, I think, like personal hygiene stuff, like shaving cream and razors, maybe, and 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 stuff like that. Um, and at the end, so this is how long, this is how weird TV was back in the day. At the end of every single one of one of their brands, they ran this little stinger by Menon. You know, it was like, oh, buy mm. this, buy, you know, go get Barbasol shaving cream today by Menon. And so, yeah, it was, it was just really weird. <laughs> It was like their commercial had credits, you know, like the little production still at the end of every episode. It was like that. It was like they had they had time to do that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was just it was just a unifying jingle. It'd be like if if all of the things that Procter and Gamble made at the end, it was like Procter and Gamble. You know, it's like that. Yeah. Could you imagine if uh, if that was done today, like how many people would just realize, oh, these six companies make everything <laughs> I've ever heard of. That would be amazing. That would be really helpful, actually. That that would be a great law. Like, all right, let's let's put some transparency into all these brands and companies and what they own and stuff. Like, like you, you see, you see a commercial for uh, for uh, feminine hygiene products. You see a commercial for <laughs> for uh, stuff in your kitchen pantry for motor oil. Unilever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that would actually be very helpful. Especially on channels that you do, where you don't want to support the advertisers, you know, <laughs> you just watch and like, all right, there we go. You, you hate watching and you boycott anybody that advertises with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or at least it'd be easier to like make lists or something. So, oh, also, you know, Jerry's like, well, how are you going to guarantee a second date? He was like, if there's any doubt, I'll I'll do a leave behind. He'll leave something behind, like his keys, to guarantee <laughs> that hey, you left your keys here. She calls up, and boom, uh, all of a sudden it's day number two. And up in Jerry's apartment, he is about to go in his door. He is now singing the commercial jingle by Menon. And he notices a, a red dot on his door that he figured is out is coming from Kramer's peephole. It's like a, a, a it, concentrated it, beam of red light. It, it looked like a sniper's uh, sight on <laughs> yeah. Jerry's door. <laughs> and Kramer opens the door and his apartment is just full of this red light. And it's from the neon chicken sign. And Jerry's like, why do you bring the shades? Sh why do you shut the shades? He's like, they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Kramer, before Jerry leaves, tells him, oh, your friend Seth stopped by. He was fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over at Jay Peterman, Elaine is uh, passing off uh, 
her various expense accounts to Roger Ipswich, like the comforter, she says, is the Aristotle goose down tunic. <laughs> oh. So she has it kind of wrapped around her like an old, like a Grecian uh, and- senator. I uh, I don't know who this actor is playing Ipswich, but oh my god, this performance was next level. Cause like, yeah, yeah. Without ever seeing him before, you can tell this character is so tired of Elaine's bullshit <laughs> as head of this company. Like, be- because like as soon as like she puts on this quote unquote tunic, you can see in his eyes like. Great, it's another urban sombrero, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he sees the numbers, so he knows how badly that tanked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. And it's also like, it's a great juxtaposition of the non-creative and the creative, or the person that's supposed to be the creative person. You know, he's like, he works with all these, <laughs> you know, artists and designers and people in fashion, and he's like a buttoned-up accountant, which is also, so he's very dry but also very biting, which is funny. I mean, yeah, like this this guy nailed it. It's just just amazing. Uh, she's also passing off her water pick as a plant watering <laughs> device. <laughs> That's just like shooting the plant. Like, yeah. if you were to do this in real life, it would just shoot soil everywhere. You would kill your plant instantly. Yeah, directly through the leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for the, um, I think Elaine just should have gotten a little more creative with her because buying a water pick it's like i'm the president you know how many meetings i have with people and i need to look presentable boom that's what i need a water pick for you might have even been able to say like oh uh, the the goose down tunic i you know i need a good night's sleep as the president so there we go another business that one that one might be a stretch i can (laughs) i can buy the water pick (laughs) yeah i guess maybe you're right but um (laughs) he's like okay well i need to see this hat and elaine's like why do you need to see the hat because it cost eight thousand dollars Ooh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty unbelievable. Up in the apartment, Seth is hanging out with Jerry. And by the way, Superman is on the fridge and the bookcase still. Uh, and he's like, you know, Jerry's like, why did you skip out on that important meeting? And he's like, well, you know, the important thing is we got to catch up. And Jerry's like, we're not even that close friends. We knew, I knew you through Moochie, is what he said, uh, who's a guy that we find out died uh, at the end of their conversation <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and before Seth leaves, he's like, oh, you mind if I take the want ads? And Jerry won't let him have it because, oh, I haven't read Tank McNamara yet, which was a comic. So Jerry's read all of the comics that came in the paper, but just this one that would literally take him two seconds. And his friend without a job wants the want ads in there. And he won't give it. It's like, that's like crazy low, Jerry. I mean, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I know we got um we got a bit of this later on in the episode of just like stalling for a reaction, but what if Jerry were to take the want ads, read Tank McNamara on camera, just wait and just give like yeah. a, <laughs> and then give the want yeah. ads to Seth. I think that would have been great. I would have loved I that. I think would have been, been great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. Do you? I. I vaguely remember Tank McNamara. I know we've talked a lot about the comics, but uh, do you remember them at all or him at all? Um, yeah, he was uh, like a sportscaster, I think. Uh, was he like a football oh, okay. player? I knew it had something. Maybe. I knew it had something to do with sports. I, I like sportscaster. I, I thought he was like maybe a high school football coach or something mm. or a pro football coach, something like that. I, something with football, I, though. Yeah, I, I'm definitely... I don't know if he's a coach. I think he may have just been like a broadcaster, but like he yeah. may have been covering like some football games. Yeah. I, I, we'll my, to... my knowledge of Tank McNamara is very limited 
It was not one we'll, of the ones that I I read frequently. We'll uh, we'll definitely put it down for homework next week and uh, delve a little bit into the world of Tank McNamara. Um, let me Great see. Great name, by the way. Yeah, Tank McNamara. But I mean, it sounds because there's the word tank, you know, it sounds military. But um, you know, it also it also has that football feel as well. Uh, Kramer is being Kramer comes in and he is being driven mad by this light, and he there's no use complaining to the restaurant; they won't do anything, and. He pours a bowl of cereal and he pours tomato juice in it because it looked like milk to him, which I thought was a very smart gag. I, I thought that was hilarious. Like, I don't know how they I, yeah, thought that of that. That was good. That was really good because obviously all he's seeing is red. <laughs> so if he sees something red, he's not going to know what color it actually is. Yeah, it's going to look like it has no color. <laughs> Um, which reminds me of those. Did you ever get those little like decoder books that came with a little red plastic window pane and you would like yeah. put the red window? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I loved those as a kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like if we were going on an eight hour road trip, just get me one of those books and I won't make a sound the whole time. It's like, <laughs> the, oh man. That I... and like, uh, that and I spy books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Those, those were, those were the best. Yes. As Kramer says he wants to move in with Jerry, Kramer splashes all the cereal and juice on the wall <laughs> and the refrigerator and cleans it up with an oven mitt and then rings the oven mitt into the pitcher of tomato oh. juice. And all of this while Jerry <laughs> is like very calmly saying uh, something like, you know, Kramer, I'm just worried that after living <laughs> together for a while, we may... Uh, grow. What is what does he say? I I thought I wrote it down. Uh, oh, we may uh get on each other's nerves a little. <laughs> yeah, as he's like trashing Jerry's apartment because he didn't really clean up the juice. Like he just no. smears it all <laughs> over the wall, and then yeah. he rings it back into the pitcher too. Gross. Yeah. Blech. Kramer suggests switching apartments, and I love Jerry's like, oh, why don't you just knock down some of these walls and make an eight room luxury suite. And but the reason that Kramer said that's not that's not gonna work, Jerry. These are load bearing walls. They're not gonna come down. <laughs> God. And then Kramer comes up with the idea, which by the way is like a great Seinfeld quote for some reason. These are load bearing walls. Anytime walls are brought up, I'll bring up the fact that they're load bearing, even if they're not. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, and Kramer's like, you know what? I'm gonna drive them out of business, just like we did in the '60s. And we get and as he leaves Jerry's apartment, we get Kramer red light dot gif. A very popular. This is one of those things that you have not been able to escape. Uh, no, one of these references that you mentioned, Ted. This is a GIF I've used many times, <laughs> it, it, as yeah. recently as last week or two weeks ago, whenever we were talking about WrestleMania. Yeah. How old was Kramer in the '60s, by the way? If it's 1990 <sighs> and he's like, I don't know, 40, let's say, or 42 or something, um, I guess. That, that, that he would have been like 12 in the 60s <laughs> hey you never know maybe maybe kramer was a teenage revolutionary yeah it could have been could have been it's just a very young one getting involved with that crowd i guess it's possible <laughs> up in the saleswoman's apartment she tells george that you know he's like oh how about we do something uh you know tonight or tomorrow or this weekend and she's like i'm gonna be busy for a while and as as he leaves he tries throwing his keys super loudly over a, across the room onto a table uh, like she wouldn't notice and this she's like oh your, your keys and he's like those are my keys uh and anyway she convinces him that they are and so he grabs them and then right before he leaves he takes off his giant sable hat and puts it behind a cushion and as he closes the door he goes co stanza 
I, I love, like, uh, you can hear... Um, do we know her name at this point? We get it later on in the episode, but I'm not sure if we know it yet. We get it in the very next scene, but right, okay. yeah. Um, uh, but we, yeah. we hear her on the phone as George is hiding his hat, and she says, you are not going to believe the date I just had. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. She has to call somebody immediately for, like, trauma <laughs> uh, therapy. <laughs> Uh, Over at Jay Peterman, Elaine is telling George that she needs the hat back. And this is where he says, I'll call Heather. I'll say I left my hat there. And then, uh, you know, I'll get a date. You'll get the hat back. And as they call up, she says, I I don't have the hat. The hat's not here. And (laughs) Elaine is uh, very dismayed. And George is confused. Over at Kenny Rogers Roasters, uh, Seth is putting trash from the restaurant into the can out front, which I know they needed for the scene, but that can't be legal. No. What what <laughs> restaurant is going to be putting their garbage in a tiny city trash can out front of the restaurant? Yeah, there, there's got to be a dumpster in the alley or something like that. That that's more not only more appropriate, but also yeah, you can't use a municipal trash can <laughs> for your for your business's giant <laughs> trash bags like that. C- couldn't we have had Seth? I know I'm nitpicking. Sue me. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't we have had Seth? Like I don't know opening the restaurant or like all we need for this scene is seth (laughs) to be outside the restaurant in his uniform that's it yeah Uh, couldn't we have had a sign or something putting up a sign like unlocking the door sweeping maybe there you go literally anything else would have made more sense (laughs) yeah but no he's putting the business's trash in the city (laughs) trash can the tiny city trash can out front uh (laughs) And he is the new manager of Kenny Rogers Roasters, as he tells Jerry, who he runs into, as Kramer uh, unravels a giant banner in uh, his apartment window that says, Bad Chicken, with an arrow pointing down, and is yelling at people on the street, Stay away from the chicken! That's bad chicken! Mess you up! (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And Seth says, that's not going to be good for business. And Jerry says, that's not going to be good for anybody. Uh, Tim, if you were going to... Uh, Kenny Rogers Roasters, <laughs> and you saw opposite of the on the opposite side of the street, five floors up in an apartment building, a <laughs> canvas that spray painted "Bad Chicken" with an arrow. Yeah. Would that sway you against going to Kenny Rogers Roasters? <laughs> That's a great question. I I, I don't want to say no right away. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think my my first thought would be like, "Well, that guy's nuts," and then I would walk yeah. inside. <laughs> But there is, did you notice there is a couple that was almost going to go in and then when they yeah. saw that, they moved on? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's why I brought it up. I'm like, why are, do they know Kramer? Do they value his opinion so much? They already made the decision to go in, I would bet. <laughs> I can't say that I, I, I would think about it. I'd go, I might just avoid it like, you know what? I don't want to get involved in this situation. I don't want to be a part of whatever's going on between Kenny and this guy I don't even want to be a part of it. Not that the chicken... I, the chicken might be great, but it's just not the right time right now. <laughs> <laughs> that might be what I think. Up in uh, Jerry's apartment, Jer- Jerry and Kramer are switching apartments, and Jerry insists that he, Kramer gets some of the weird stuff he has out of the apartment, like Mr. Marbles, this uh, this ventriloquist dummy that Jerry holds <sighs> up. He's like... And Kramer's like, Mr. Marbles, he's harmless. <laughs> Which is another great quote. Jerry says, there's just one rule. I don't want Newman using any... And Newman comes out of the bathroom right as Jerry was about to say, that's the rule. (laughs) And as soon as 
Seth gets a real job. You two are going back in that chicken supernova, <laughs> as Jerry says. He leaves. Newman pulls out some chick, uh, some Kenny Rogers Roasters chicken, and the temptation is too great for Kramer, who <laughs> loves it. He smells the hickory, and I guess this must have been a slogan because Newman goes, oh, yeah, it's the wood that makes it good. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it must have been a slogan. Uh, th- this is what I was talking about earlier. Like Kramer's like, oh, no, I'm boycotting it. And then we just have Newman... <laughs> Eating chicken like I've never seen any other human being eat chicken before. Uh, It's just like five seconds of silence. And then Kramer is immediately like immediately does a 180 on the chicken. Yeah. And I I love when he reached into the box and and, uh, Newman like growls and barks at him. And then he's like, come on. And and, and Kramer like admonishes him like a dog. Come on. No. Bad. (laughs) Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I wonder how many pieces of chicken Wayne Knight had to eat when doing this scene. Cause you know, whenever they shoot a scene with food, like most of the time the actors are not eating or they'll spit it out or whatever. And maybe that's what he was doing, but, but I know that it, (laughs) it, you know, it it takes more than one leg of chicken to get a scene sometimes like this. Uh, So I wonder how many he he had to eat or maybe he, maybe they did nail it in one take. But um, yeah, I, I, as I was watching him annihilate this chicken bone, I was like, how many times did he have to do that? <laughs> Undoing all of that great work he did on the body. Back over at Heather's, I thought this scene was absolutely hilarious. Elaine knocks on the door and says, hi, I'm <laughs> Elaine. We met at Barney's the other day. And and she reveals, the reveal is so funny. She pulls George. She reveals that he's been holding George. She's been holding George by his ear the whole time with George. And she like pulls him into frame. It was so funny. <laughs> Uh, and they're talking in front of him like he's a child. And he's also acting very child childlike, kind of like, you know, can't look anybody in the eye and kind of like fidgeting with the lock while <laughs> while they're like, they're, they're just, it was so, it's like when your mom would talk to your teacher about yes. being in trouble and your mom agreeing with the teacher, like, I know he's a very bad boy, but blah, 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 you know, like, uh, you know, you're trying like, to, to disappear into the wallpaper. <laughs> it was just so just well acted and well revealed and so funny all around. Like she's Heather's like, no, I wasn't lying. I really don't have the hat. I don't know. Maybe the maid took it. I love that. That's the play, first place she goes, by the way. <laughs> well, she, she said like, it. yeah, she said like maybe the maid took it. I also yeah. had people over. Yeah. Uh, but but how classist too was it for her to, to I don't know I guess the yeah. help probably stole it like they're always stealing from me like, yeah God, God. <laughs> at least she didn't throw like a racial descriptor in front of it you know like that's the uh, only thing we were missing by her saying the maid <laughs> yeah oh boy <laughs> um, and Elaine and George are like all right we, you know can we at least come in and look around she's like fine be my guest uh, and they can't find the hat but. As revenge, George stole this shitty clock that she had somewhere in the house. <laughs> as I yeah, as, as I guess revenge, or in order to make a trade later, she stole something of theirs. They and, and George is like, "This is a win for our side." And Elaine uh, it just rolls her eyes at him. Uh, but it, it did look like the standard like gold spray painted clock that you get at Walmart, you know, for like nine ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is. Ugh, this scene was viscerally gross to me. He's eating several whole chickens in Jerry's bed, covering everything in bone and grease and skin. And if there's one thing, because I, I love chicken roasted or or fried, but like just eating something that makes my hands messy is a turnoff for me. I don't like it. 
I, I mean, if if I'm gonna do that, I need to have a napkin like on standby so I can just like wipe my hands, wipe my face. But he's eating it with his shirt open, like his <laughs> chest is covered in grease. And can I ask why is he bouncing while he's eating? He, you see him bouncing like. <laughs> I think he's just happy. Yeah, he was just. But he's bouncing so much that like the headboard is hitting the hitting the wall like it, it sounds uh, oh my god uh, it, yeah. it, it, it sounds like he's having sex i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it probably was a similar experience yeah that's how much he loves <laughs> loves the chicken but yeah and how come the places that have the greasiest food always have those napkins that are like not paper but like some sort of slick plastic that oh. doesn't get the grease you know what i mean like yeah. you need a nice like fluffy style napkin at those places but they're always the ones that they just move the grease around they don't take any of it off <laughs> They don't. They're not um, absorbent at all. I, I, I hate that. I, I, I'm just like feeling that right now without feeling it. You know, it's like. Ugh. Um, meanwhile, in Kramer's apartment, Jerry can't sleep because there's all these weird creaks and noises. And then Jerry hears some footsteps go by, and he goes, "Mr. Marbles," <laughs> which is another great moment. Uh, I feel like in Seinfeld lore, Mr. Marbles. Uh, back in Jerry's apartment, Elaine is in there talking to Kramer. And he tells her the solution to her problem is easy. Just sleep with Ipswich. <laughs> uh, and Jerry slides in like Kramer. And he's even acting like him. We get the, oh, I'm stressed, which is another famous gif. I'm stressed. Uh, and he's eating ice cream directly from a carton. I mean, he's this is Jerry Seinfeld acting like Kramer. And he's like, you know, my friend Bob Sacamano. Uh, and Elaine's like, I thought that was Kramer's friend. I was like, yeah, well, he called last night around 3 a.m. And we talked for a really long time. And he sells Russian hats down at Battery Park for 40 bucks. And <laughs> she's like, was... oh, are they, are they, sa are <laughs> they <laughs> sable? This was good. Like, J Jerry's impression of Kramer <laughs> was spot on. And even, in turn, Kramer's impression of Jerry. Yes, calm Kramer. Even though his ideas still aren't great. I, I don't know if Sleep with Ipswich would have been something that Jerry said. I feel like that's still a very Kramer idea, but it was delivered in a Jerry way. Exactly, um, because, yeah. Because, you know, uh, Elaine's like, is, is it Sable? He's like, no, it, but the, the difference is negligible. And Kramer goes, <laughs> this is where he really nails it. Like, oh, yeah, I like this idea. The sarcastic thing that Jerry always says when, when two other people are coming up with a dumb plan. Uh, did you notice that Superman was replaced with a huge Fusilli Jerry? The huge Fusilli Jerry that we've seen a couple times in Kramer's apartment no. is now where Superman it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's great. So like, okay. My eye just always goes there. And I was like, hey, Superman's gone. And there's that's Fusilli. I was like, I didn't know. Why would Jerry? I was like, wait a minute. Kramer brought Fusilli Jerry from his apartment and replaced something that Jerry had up. Like, wow. <laughs> Elaine and Jerry take off for Battery Park, and Newman runs in from the other room with some Kenny Rogers roasters uh, because they have to hide it from Jerry. If Jerry knows that Kramer is not boycotting uh, Kenny Rogers roasters, they'll make him switch apartments again. But where was Newman the whole time? Why was he I, hiding from Elaine? I guess in, I guess in Jerry's bedroom. Yeah. But why was he hiding, and how long was Elaine there? How, like, when did he come in? That's what I want to know. I'm like, because Jerry was mm. just across the hall, as he always is, and Newman was already hidden at the beginning of the scene, so why was he hiding for Elaine? What would they care if Elaine saw? They think that he might, she might, she might she tell might, Jerry? Yeah, she might rat them out. Yeah, maybe they want to be totally alone. And yeah. uh, it, it could be like, uh, it could be the thing that, well, if she knows that we have Kenny Rogers Roasters chicken, she's going to want some. Uh, that's true, too. Yeah, my want some, my tell Jerry. And uh, and they just lucked out by 
like, oh, well, we were hiding because of Elaine, but then Jerry came in. That was that was the close part, you know? <laughs> yeah. But also, I was thinking, too, that Newman, we've seen him access the fire escape from Jerry's room mm. and somehow go back up maybe to his apartment or something like that. I remember there was an episode where where that happens. Uh, so maybe that's what it was. Maybe he came down through the fire escape just to, just to make sure they don't even run into Jerry, like in the hallway and stuff like that. Uh, over at Jay Peterman, Elaine's hat is not being accepted by Roger Ipswich because it is not sable. It is nutria. And Elaine's like, that's a, <laughs> that's a kind of sable. <laughs> and he's like, no, that's a kind of rat. <laughs> this was like, I got great. a rat hat? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the rat this was hat. great. Having having the, account, uh, the accounting clerk character also know like basic fashion concepts because yeah. you work at a fashion catalog because of, of course <laughs> – Right, right. You're, you're going to pick something up. You're going to know that Nutria is different from... I don't know. <laughs> that, that was kind of amazing, though, actually, being able to discern Nutria fur, because that's not a totally common animal, I guess. Um, and he's like, I have no choice but to recommend your termination to the board, which he is taking delight in. You can tell he's like, oh, only <laughs> Jay Peterman can save you now. And, you know, Said he's like in the a Burmese true jungle. villain. Yeah, yeah. And Elaine's like, wait, wait, wait. Can I fire you? <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> but that was a good a good shot. A good shot. Wait a second. What if I fire you before you can do anything? No. <laughs> Over at Monks, George is talking to Kramer. Uh, and Heather left a message for George to call if you have the time, which George is like an obvious reference to the clock I stole. She has the hat. We're going to make a trade. Kramer is, this is where he really is also nailing acting like Jerry, including burning George a couple of times, which we haven't really uh, seen Kramer do too often. And even at the end, giving him the old, that's a shame. You know, like holding the <laughs> coffee cup like him and, and even the like, that's a shame at the end. Uh, over at Kenny Rogers Roasters, we're inside now. And this is where I noticed, I was like, damn, they got like a real chicken roaster. But that must have been the extra furnishings by Kenny Rogers Roasters that they got, like all of the... the um, you know, all of the branded logoed containers and stuff. And, and I think a lot of the inside, I was like, did they go to a Kenny Rogers Roasters? But they must have just like <laughs> shipped some furniture and crap there. But seeing the huge roaster, I was like, because uh, I, I seem to remember that, you know, somewhere back in the memory banks from my time mm -hmm. going there once or twice. And I was like, damn, they got a whole roasting machine for this episode. That's I'm, crazy. I'm, I'm wondering if they actually had this roasting machine on set or if that is just like, overlaid footage of the roasting machine because why would you bring something that big and put chickens in it and turn it <laughs> on just for a background shot for like five seconds if that authenticity you know they were making a lot of money too at this point they were probably like yeah and it seemed like if, if kenny rogers roasters okay. was working with them they might be like hey we want to um you know, we want to shoot like the inside of a restaurant, and maybe it was a maybe it was a terms of their agreement. Like, all right, well, if you if you wanted to look like one of our restaurants, we got to put one of these roasters in there, or you can't use any of our logos mm. and stuff. You know, maybe it was one of their things. Like, we have a <laughs> we have something to live up to. You know, we want to know we want people to know when they come inside what it's going to look like. It's you know? uh, it, it's just more of a commercial for Kenny Rogers Roasters Chicken than it is an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, they really, I mean, they really make it seem pretty good. I think if you saw this episode, you'd go, well, I got to check oh, yeah. out Kramer. If it was enough that Kramer would live in that apartment to eat it, it might, well, let's go check it out. Let's go check it out. Get in the car, kids. We are going to Kenny Rogers <laughs> uh, Roasters. And Seth is not even the full manager. He tells Jerry he's just the assistant manager and he can't turn off the light. Uh, Newman 
is there, and he's picking up a family feast meal with a side of steamed broccoli, which Jerry grabs and goes, mm. Newman would never order steamed broccoli. And he makes and, and Newman's like, oh, no, I, I love broccoli. And he makes Newman try it, and he spits it out immediately and yells, vile weed, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> And Newman is forced to admit that Kramer is hooked on the chicken. And he does a palate cleansing shot of honey mustard. Now, someone, honey mustard, quick. And he, like, throws it back. <laughs> this was great. Oh, my God. Yeah, just to get the broccoli taste out of his mouth. Vile <laughs> weed. What, what, is, uh, what does Jerry say? He's like, uh, I know Newman wouldn't eat broccoli if it was deep fried <laughs> in chocolate sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Up in Jerry's apartment, Jerry walks in on Kramer patiently waiting for Newman to show up with the chicken. He's got like an empty plate and he's got the uh, napkin already tucked into his collar. And uh, Jerry uh, gets him to confess by threatening to put the banner back out about the light. And uh, uh, Kramer has to admit that he is hooked on the chicken. In Burma, we uh, get a map of Burma and Elaine is ushered into a temple where Jay Peterman is, and he yells gibberish at this uh, boy that's cutting pineapple in the temple as well. <laughs> Yikes! I was wondering how. I was wondering what reaction that was going to get. Yeah. Oh <laughs> boy. The, yeah, the fact that uh, uh, the captions even say "fake Burmese dialect," <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, great, fake love Burmese this. <laughs> So where does this, uh, on what side of Kramer yelling in fake Italian does this land? What what side does that land on? Fake Burmese. Uh, what what do you mean? Like, is this worse or is this not as bad? Is it worse or is it worse or better? Yeah. Um. It, wait. Did, did you say Kramer yelling in fake Italian or fake uh fake Japanese? Fake Italian. We'll go. We'll go back to the uh, the Calzone okay. episode with fake Italian. Uh, oh yeah. I I would say. The fake Italian is probably not as bad as the fake Burmese. Um, I would put the the potential at the fake Japanese inside the hot tub, which we didn't really hear, but we kind of speculated True. on. Uh, I yeah. would say the fake Japanese is the worst, followed by the fake Burmese, and then uh, in third place is the fake Italian yeah. uh, of, yeah, of levels of offensiveness. <laughs> that's probably where I'd land as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jay Peterman is is sort of gone mad in the jungles of Burma. He asks Elaine if she's an assassin, uh, come to collect a bill, and she's like, "Oh, actually, I I do have kind of a bill, Hiller. I was just wondering if you'll sign these expense reports." And and Peterman's like, "Oh, of, of course I will. I'll just have to see this hat." Uh, so <laughs> Elaine is screwed once again. And in the park, Heather is meeting up with George. And just like George, his plan, she's like, first I found you irritating, but now I can't stop thinking about you. So his his commercial plan worked. Uh, and even she says, co-stanza. Uh, so he got <laughs> stuck in Heather's head. And George brought the clock in a bag. because So she really wanted to meet up with George. She doesn't have the hat. She really doesn't have the hat. It's about another date with George. And he tries to like hide the clock, but it goes off. And Heather finds out that he stole this clock from her. And that he's weird, and so she leaves. <laughs> Back over at Kenny Rogers Roasters, uh, Jerry comes in for some reason wearing the rat hat. Oh, you know he must have bought one at Battery Park. Oh yeah, he when may he have. and Elaine went down there. Yeah, mm. I bet that's what happened. So he comes in in a rat hat, and it's raining, and he flings the hair everywhere. 
uh, and it's like getting in people's food and in their mouths and stuff. And um, <laughs> this time, Jerry says that's not going to be good for business. And then Seth says that's not going to be good for anybody. And we cut to Kramer's apartment. He's eating chicken in bed, his bed, bathed in red light uh, that all of a sudden goes out and shuts off. And with his mouth full, I, I love the, Kenny, Kenny. <laughs> I thought it was such a great pitiful uh, cry out. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the episode except we do get i liked the way that they had three epilogues for the three main storylines I, I thought this was great because they're so quick like so kramer is hanging out his apartment window with a banner that says kenny come back and still yelling kenny kenny <laughs> so dejected too like it, it barely making any noise you can tell uh, it, it's as though he's been yelling this for hours. Yeah, yeah. He's like hoarse, and his voice is cracking, and he's weak. <laughs> Can he? <laughs> uh, and then Jerry, in his own apartment, is uh, turns out the lights, and all of a sudden he hears the creaking again and sees a silhouette of a dummy that looked like it was holding a knife <laughs> right by. Oh, I didn't see that. I, 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 I saw the like... dummy. I didn't see it holding a knife. I thought I saw the silhouette of a knife <laughs> as well that runs by, and Jerry goes, Mr. Marbles, again. <laughs> Jesus. And then we get one last little scene in Burma where Elaine shows Jay Peterman the urban sombrero. I put it on the cover of the last catalog, and he goes, the horror, the horror. <laughs> Which, did you catch that reference? I don't know what it's in reference to. I think it's Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. Which is another movie about somebody going crazy in the jungles of kind of the same area. I forget where, now I even forget where Burma was. South America, right? Is that right? Is that what uh, we settled on? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, anyway, I'll write it down for uh, for next week, The Horrors. But I think it's a, a reference to uh, Apocalypse Now. I want to say Brando is in that. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, I, I think it's about like a soldier who has to like infiltrate this guy's weird temple cult that he set up in the jungle. And I think that guy is Brando. But uh, that is the that's the end of the episode. All right. Uh, what uh, what do we got for homework this week? I wrote down. We'll we'll find out a little bit about Kenny Rogers Roasters. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those places that we find out still has like one or two weird locations, like in a train station in Connecticut, and yeah. then also at like Disney World or something. There's still one. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised if that happens. Uh, also by Menon and the Ipswich <laughs> actor. Uh, who the actor who played Ipswich? Want to learn a little about bleh, learn a little bit about him because he was so great. And you know, it reminds me of uh, something else that was going on in the Seinfeld uh, internet universe this week. Was especially on the subreddit, people discussing their favorite one-off characters. Did you catch any of that? I did, but I I, yeah. I didn't see much of the Seinfeld sub uh, yeah. this week. But I, I saw a couple of posts of that. But most of the one-off characters were people that I either had no recollection of or have never seen yet. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good an interesting mix. A lot of people love Bookman, obviously the uh library detective oh, from. Oh yeah. A lot of people say he's like the best one-off character, but there were a lot of good uh, revisits. Uh, Dude, as obsessed with the hallway as they were the previous week, this week they were obsessed <laughs> with one-off characters. Do, do we ever see Ipswich again? I don't think so, but you never know because kind of these uh these employees have been popping up. Maybe he did so well that um, you know, maybe he'll pop up again. Maybe I, I, I was gonna say recall. like if he if he doesn't pop up again he'd be in like my own running for for best one off characters I think oh yeah oh yeah this this was a a, a great one uh, also Tank McNamara and finally the horror the horror what is that a reference to is it Apocalypse Now well uh, and and what is why do they say it in that movie 
We'll find out. <laughs> All right. What do you like for cover art this week? Uh, let me see. I mean, Kramer and the bad chicken uh, is kind of funny. Um, I mean, obviously, the the go-to is the scene with Jerry acting like Kramer and Kramer acting like Jerry. And, um, you know, that, that one still shot of... Oh, yeah. Oh, well, then there's the other one, the one still shot of Kramer opening the door and being blasted by red light. Um, <laughs> that's sort of like the, the go-to. But if you wanted mm. to do something different, I think there's some other... I, good I, what are you thinking? I really liked uh, the first scene of Jerry in kramer's apartment like in the bed and he has like the covers like up to like his eyes and he's all you see is like the red light peering in at his eyes i'm like this is such a horror movie level still shot this is great yeah that's pretty funny too like they got a great eye like it's the perfect level where he has the covers and his eyes darting side to side yeah (laughs) yeah that's a good one too it's all good all right let's see what we can do about this week's description so we had (laughs) the chicken roaster colon a celebrity opens a chicken restaurant in jerry's neighborhood a celebrity opens a chicken restaurant in jerry's neighborhood yeah we'll just deal with that because obviously yeah uh, obviously the name of the episode isn't actually part of the description hulu the the first thing i would do is and maybe this is the only change that needs to be made because Everything does kind of revolve around that, but I, I think a celebrity opens a chicken restaurant. I would change to a celebrity chicken restaurant opens in Jerry's neighborhood, not a celebrity opens a chicken restaurant because that's that that kind that, of leads kind of, you to think that the celebrity is going to be in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Because like, and, uh, if yeah. I were to see that, I would think. Uh, well, if I were to see that and then watch the episode, I would think, oh, I thought like. Kenny Rogers was going to be in the episode and they were going to have like a grand opening or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I, I like yours. Yeah. Like from what I know, I don't remember Kenny Rogers coming to town when this, when the thing opened, it's, it, it had all the fanfare of a new McDonald's opening, you know, it's like, which is not much <laughs> at all. You know, it's like, Oh, Hey, that McDonald's is open now. Oh, great. You know, Oh, cool. Oh, the one on, Oh, the one they built. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh wow. I was wondering when that, that was going to open. Here. That was uh, yeah. that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they might put out some balloons, but I mean, so I don't remember Kenny Rogers coming to town when his chicken store opened, and it's certainly not a part of this episode. So that's where I would say, would you add anything to it? I mean, anything about, you know, Jerry and Seth, or what's the main storyline here? It's really Kramer and the chicken. Yeah, I wouldn't add anything to it. I think it's I think it's good as is. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. obviously, the, the, the one change we did make to it, um, a celebrity chicken right. restaurant opens in Jerry's neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, if, if you really wanted to, and I know you don't want to, so I, I don't necessarily want to. It would be like, you know, a, a celebrity chicken restaurant opens in opens in Jerry's neighborhood, disrupting Kramer and Jerry's whatever, you know, living arrangements or something. Or a celebrity chicken restaurant disrupts Jerry and Kramer's living arrangements. I don't know. Something like that. Something but like we don't that. even need to yeah. do that. We don't even need to do that if we don't want to. Oh, man. What did you think of this episode? Watching Honestly, it back? I started. Have, have, uh, I gave have it you, a start. Have you, have you seen it recently? No, I have not. Okay. I um, um I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot. I, I liked talking about it a lot more, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah, this is one. I And I, I started, and I don't know if I started because we're eight episodes in and I hadn't had a, a scarred <laughs> episode yet but also i mean this there's so many iconic moments in this episode all those lines that i mentioned uh and and all those gifts that we we mentioned and it's and you see the funny body switch of kramer and 
Jerry. Yeah, it. Uh, I was like, it, it's it's nostalgic maybe more than anything else, but it is one of those episodes. It's not the Soup Nazi or the Puffy Shirt, but it's one of those episodes that I think always lands on top 10 episode lists. And, and I think it held up and, and it kind of, you know, some stuff snuck up on me you know i always like that and ipswich is definitely one of those characters that that even talking about was was better i was like man i I didn't even realize at the time how much i should have been appreciating that guy but yeah his his demeanor was very funny and he was a great you know uh addition to this episode so uh it kind of snuck up on me it's nostalgic it might be low or non-existent when my Mm -hmm. top five list comes out but i I did star it (laughs) i did all right. Well, uh, next week, we've got Season 8, Episode 9, The Abstinence. Uh, original air date of that was November 21st, 1996. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you were going to see George benefits when his new girlfriend's illness requires their abstinence. Hmm. I like the description. From what I remember of this episode, I think that's very well written. Do you remember uh, this we'll one see. at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this okay. is going to be pretty. If, if you liked... The way that Jerry and Kramer were acting in this episode, they kind of go back to the well. Uh, and it reminds me, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but it reminds me of kind of the same uh, idea behind George and the opposite. Mm. If you remember when he started doing the opposite of everything that he would have done. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not to spoil too much. All right. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.